Most people would say, Kanye's Kanye and has achieved such a great level of success. If only I could achieve that level of success, I would finally be happy. Right. If the being happy is the the achieving of this level of success and you think that that next level is going to get you happy, guess what? Yeah. You are already not going to be happy. You might as well just learn to be happy now. Welcome to 15 Minutes, a podcast about fame. I'm Jamie Berger. For the past decade, Monty Belmonte has been the morning host on WRSI, The River, the one and only socially conscious indie rock pop commercial station here in Western Massachusetts. He's also a huge social activist and fundraiser in our valley, raising money, a lot of money, for numerous causes pretty much all the time. He also runs two hugely successful annual events, Monty's March, a 40-plus mile walk up our valley that raises awareness and buckets of money for the Food Bank of Western Mass, and Monty's Cancer Connection Campout. He's also a neighbor here in Turner's Falls, and he heads up a team that's breathing new life into our grand old Shea Theater. Monty's in an interesting spot on the ladder up the Wall of Fame that Ray Bradbury told us about back in episode one. As if you're of a certain demographic, living in a small but significant chunk of Massachusetts, even if you don't listen to him, you've heard of Monty, you've probably heard his voice, and are pretty likely to recognize him on the street. I'd say you're more likely to recognize Monty if you fit that demographic than you are to recognize our governor, and probably at least as likely to recognize Monty as you would be our more nationally known visitors so far, John Hodgman and Annie Duke. That is, whether he'll own up to it or not, around these parts, Christopher Monty Belmonte is famous. Once he leaves the 413, not so much. I think that's all you need to know for now. I'll talk more about thoughts this conversation brought up for me after we're done. My wife, Anya Schutz, was also uh, in the room and had a few things to ask and say, and so was Monty's cat, Rosita. Listen for the purr. After I managed not to start the recorder for our first 10 minutes, we recorded this at his house in the Patch neighborhood of Turner's Falls, Mass., on an evening in June. <laughs> okay, so we just had about a 10-minute conversation that... First so you, time... we got five minutes left of this podcast. Right. <laughs> first time... First time in my... And look, the battery's getting low, too. Yeah. It's all right. First time in my in my four in, my, in, my, in recording dozens, but in my four episodes. If it's any consolation, it took me probably six years before I did that to somebody. Wow! <laughs> and it was Bernie Glassman who started the Zen Peacemakers. Wow! But he's such a Zen dude. He was like, ah, I don't care. You can start again. 
All right, we'll like a goldfish. I don't even remember what we talked okay, about. Okay, that's good. I'm speaking to, Anya doesn't know to, about it at to all. my wife, Anya, across the table, who, who just looked at me like, I don't want to be on tape. Do you even know what fame is? I know what fame is, but I... Fame! <laughs> I'm going forever! Oh. I, was, I was raised on NPR and PBS, and I didn't get to watch stuff. So, earlier, we were talking about... I'll, re, I'll re rephrase. About you being the companion to a lot of people. I was, I was at someone's house yesterday. So and like an escort. And they, yes, you're a companion. <laughs> yeah, like, like. Um, a gentleman caller. Mm-hmm, like in Firefly. What's her name? Anara. Yeah. About how a friend of mine asked me about you, saying, are you really his friend? Because he's this, this kind of figure that, that's with me every day. And that, and I think of, and she also thinks of in terms of, you know, you, because you do a lot of nonprofit and cause stuff that were her causes too. But how does it. Do you think about it, or do you prefer not to? I don't actively think about it, um, but when I hear stories like that, I feel like I've done my job correctly. So, um, I like to hear stories like that. Yeah. But when I'm actually on the radio, I don't think, like, I'm being beamed into literally dozens of people's kitchens right now. It's more than dozens. (laughs) But I do feel like I want people to feel like I'm their companion. Mm-hmm. That I and I, you know, there's it's a very it's a craft of radio communication that I learned from, mm-hmm. you know, people who trained me and from mm-hmm. listening to people like Howard Stern and mm-hmm. you know even Ira Glass to do these kind of things where it's a very intimate medium that does make you your people are often listening by themselves in their car and it's just you and them. Mm-hmm. And so I don't use a lot of like, hey, out there in radio land, like mm-hmm. kind no, of no. terminology yeah. because I don't feel like that's a good way to communicate in the way that radio communicates best. And podcasts, frankly, too. Uh, just an un- yeah. all audio medium. Yeah. And I think part of that comes from, you know, as much as I, I suppose it, you could be more ambitious and try to move on to a bigger market or to a different station. But I think part of your ability to do that comes from the freedom that you have on your show to just you, like you said you don't have to worry about ratings you don't right. have to uh, think too much about con- you know about content you seem to discuss whatever well I think a lot about content but I don't have to think about it in like right, oh so I really need to talk about what the Kardashians did today I don't I know that I don't need to talk about that or do I need to avoid talking about such and such. Right. Or like, should I avoid talking about politics? No, I try to talk about whatever I think people that I hang out with in the Valley that I know like the radio station that we are, mm-hmm. are thinking about. Mm-hmm. From And it kind of runs the gamut from... Some of it is just my own passions that I'm pursuing. Like, I love words. So our friend Emily Brewster, who's an editor at Merriam-Webster, is on my show every week. I have an astronomer on my show every week yeah. because I love... You I just am so the, fascinated yeah. by that sort of stuff. Did the charity work make you more well-known to radio listeners because they saw you doing good stuff and read about you in the paper and then decided to tune in? Or is it more that you brought good publicity to these charity organizations because people know you from the radio? And I think it's both because I started on the radio and doing these things very small and then they gained in momentum, you know, the small was the, the the listeners that were listening at the time, and then they're such ridiculous stunts mm-hmm. that then other media pay attention, and then more media pay attention each year. But I know that there are people that 
know about these events that have never heard me on the radio. I think there are probably fewer people that have heard me on the radio that don't know about those events. But I would say that probably makes me arguably then more famous because of the events themselves than being on the radio every day. Yeah. Um, because they get coverage throughout all the media, mm-hmm. you know, and it's it's rare and humbling um, because media often doesn't cover other media in a flattering way. Like if they were to fire me, I would it would be in the media because mm-hmm. it's almost like other media can then say like, oh, there's controversy over at that other, you know, at that mm-hmm. other media. But for media to f- cover other media in a flattering way is always feels like oh wow that's what an what an honor that they've taken time out of what they have to cover to cover what we're doing you know do you find that people have going and i'm not transitioning at all speaking of transitions yeah that's one of my favorite lines from a bad comic back in san francisco <laughs> back to my original experience last night at a friend's house she said what's he like is he real i'm like total ass. Well, I pretty much said, you know, what you hear in the morning is what you get. <laughs> you're you're pretty much that guy. Do you, do you feel that, that do any people get misconceptions that you have to? Yeah, I think people are surprised when that they say, "Wow, you sound just like you sound on the radio." <laughs> like that's that's who I am, but I mean, you it's you would be shocked. Especially when I work with like new DJs who've never been on the radio before. Mm-hmm. Um People put on their real Exactly. And they think that they're, they've heard their whole life of things that they are supposed to do or think they're supposed to do on the radio. Mm-hmm. And they do those things. And my goal is always to teach them to be an amplified version of yourself. Like right now, I'm actually probably slightly... It's also 18 hours into my day. Right. 19, because I get up at 2. And it's 9 o'clock at night now. <laughs> and i got to get up at 2 again. Um so I'm a little bit more down tempo than I am mm-hmm. on the morning, but I, I feel like it's the regular me, but just turned up. Mm-hmm. If I'm usually at, like, maybe I'm at seven right now, mm-hmm. and I'm at, like, eight and a half on the radio. I don't even find that. When I hear you on in the, in the morning, I don't think, like, oh, Monty's doing his Monty thing. I interview people about things that I don't really know anything about all the time. And, mm-hmm. and being curious for a living is part of what makes yeah. my job fun. Yeah. So if what you're curious about is fame... It's fun for you. You don't have to be famous. I'm not an astronomer or an editor of a dictionary or a wine expert, but I talk about those things every week on my show because I'm interested in them. You've started to act like a wine expert. <laughs> well, I have, have, I have drunk quite a bit a lot of wine. wine. <laughs> so this, which is a Chianti Classico that we're mm-hmm. drinking for about 10 bucks, mm-hmm. it's not bad. It's very poopy. But it's light in color, more like a Pinot Noir, so not as fruity as your um, bourgeois Apothic Dark that we were talking about earlier. But Let's back up to poopy. You taste the poop in it? I don't know. I don't think I'd be enjoying think it. Think about quite. like if you had a really spicy like Indian dish Ooh. and you were like you're riding that throne all night. It's got that kind of real heat, an acidic kind of burn. I'm just It's not, like explosive diarrhea. I'm not thirsty. But in a good way. In a good way. If also this should have been chilled. Slightly, what? and I got it out of my. I wasn't expecting to drink wine, so I didn't put it in my fridge for 15 minutes as I would have if I mm-hmm. knew we were going to drink wine. Mm-hmm. Um, um, oh, yeah, so yeah. in so, 2002, yeah. when I started working at WRSI in Northampton, the morning show host at the time was Rachel Maddow of MSNBC uh, fame. And she was a great morning show host who went on to Air America Radio, where she hosted a show with 
Chuck D and where now Senator Al Franken, former Stuart Smalley, uh, was the sort of bee's knees mm -hmm. of the thing. And then she was on MSNBC mm -hmm. and I was watching these videos and then watching these douchebags, frankly, from across the country saying all these reprehensible things in the comments. And I said, oh my God, like I feel physically ill reading these things. How are you dealing with that? And she said, don't ever read the comments is what I do. And I, since that day, have said, there's only a certain amount I'm going to engage. I don't never read the comments, but I almost never read the comments. Here's a question I have for you is that in your, how long have you been on the river now? I've worked there for 14, 14 years, years and I've been on the morning show for 10. Okay, so I'm guessing probably over the course of the past 10 years, you've made certain characters in the valley famous in their own way as well. I'm thinking of Steve the Hippie. <laughs> Steve the Hippie. Yeah. I'm going to have to talk to Steve. So. You think purring is going to come through? We can hear Hopefully. Purring. I, I got Rosita. Rosita just joined me. Hi, Rosita. How do you think. How do you think that's changed his life? Steve the Hippie? Yeah. He, that's a good point. He wears it as a badge of honor. I do know that. Mm -hmm. um, mostly because he tells me, but other people... He'll tell me, like, I was at the co-op and somebody heard me talking, because he's like a loud talker. And they, <laughs> Just they, they, little, they yeah. said, are you Steve the Hippie? And yeah, so, I mean, it's at least... And I know uh, his Rainbow Family, yeah. which is like a gathering of camping yeah. hippies that meet every year that he's so psyched about, is meeting in Southern Vermont this year. And I think that that... He's going to be like the, uh, I can tell, at least he's, he, in his mind, is positioning it in a way that will seem like he's going to be King Hippie, because they're in our listening range, mm, he's and not. he's a regular guest. And yeah. like, but I put him on because I legitimately love him, you know, and we have this very sweet relationship um, that in real life and in radio life, and I also feel like he represents an aspect of this community in the same way that my astronomer represents a, the, you know, the intellectual five college area of the community and all the farmers that I have on every week represent the agricultural thing, yeah. you know, so I try to have representatives yeah. of the, all, as many aspects of the community yeah. as I can and he represents Steve is almost a stereotypical hippie yeah. valley part of yep. the community. Yep. Proudly. And I know people that hate him as a guest, as like a regular caller on the show. But even those people, when I explain to them, like, look, you know people like this guy. Yeah. And I think he's yeah. entertaining enough. And we do, I honestly yeah. respect and love him, too, that I think he's an important part. Kitty, you're going yeah. to knock over a me out. recorder. Um, I've not met Bill Murray, but I have heard him quoted as saying that um, somebody asked him how, what it's like to be rich and famous. And he has said, it's great to be rich, fame I could live without. The other thing that I think is really important from somebody else who I've never met, but that I admire, is I heard an interview with Elvis Costello years and years ago where he was talking about up and coming bands. And he was saying that some of them sound like they are trying to write hit songs, like they're trying to either be rich and or be famous. Mm -hmm. And that's the total wrong way to go about it. Like the way to go about it is to just be your kind of like your authentic self, create art from within you. And if it sticks, it's great. But also, and I'm, I'm adding on to what Elvis Costello said, learn to find the joy in the act of creation and the outcome being an unknown quantity. 
that the 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 real joy is in the doing as opposed to the re the result. And so I took that as my kind of a mantra for me. Like I'm not going to do things that I feel like are going to make me famous. I'm going to do things that I feel like are the right things to do or the things that I am interested in or the things that I want to do right yeah. now. So like today I shit canned my whole show and on a whim decided to play mm -hmm. four hours worth of music by women because today's the day Hillary Clinton yeah. received yeah. the nomination despite how yeah. I feel about Hillary Clinton. And whether it makes you rich or famous or not, it's the only way you're going to make what, or do what you're supposed to do. And the only f real way you can be happy because you are never, if you want to be famous, you are never famous enough. And I will not name drop again here, but I know people on all sorts of aspects of the ladder of fame. Well, I, we, there are a lot of stories about you and Kanye and your party. Right. Yeah. But guess what? Kanye not that happy. doesn't feel like he's famous he's enough. Doesn't. He's always doing, and like, I, I, you know, I'm not really, I don't really know Kanye. But <laughs> point being, um, it's not like, most people would say, Kanye's Kanye and has achieved such a great level of success. If only I could achieve that level of success, I would finally be happy. Right. If the being happy is the the achieving of this level of success and you think that that next level is going to get you happy, guess what? Yeah. You are already not going to be happy. You might as well just learn to be happy now. That's the other thing yeah. I'm not good at that I wish I were good at, which is appreciate people in the moment. Oh. Be more appreciative of people. I grew up in a culture that is intentionally non-appreciative. My parents' like mantra towards me, apart from referring to nudity as shamey, was uh, uh, don't encourage him. <laughs> like anytime I would do something and people were paying attention, they would literally say, don't encourage him. And they weren't being, Anya says that about me a lot. Yeah, I don't know, I don't think they meant it maliciously, but I think I took it in a way uh -huh. that very deep where. Were you a joker, a prankster? Yeah, oh yeah. Oh. But only when I was in sixth, not until I was in sixth grade, uh -huh. at which point my teacher was talking about, and this is totally culturally insensitive, Helen Keller, and said to the class, she had a boyfriend, um, but when her boyfriend's parents found out about Helen Keller and her situation, he wasn't allowed to see her anymore. And I wrote, raised my hand and said, that's okay, she couldn't see him anyway. And everybody laughed and I said, this is what I want to do for this the rest of my life. Yeah. Be a people, dick. Yeah. <laughs> or people laughing. That was really the moment that I can pinpoint. This is when everything changed for me. Now I'm going to ask you, why, why is fame interesting to you at all to the point where you want to do a podcast about it? Um, because I've always had really complicated feelings about it. My mother used to always... Is your mother famous? No. Because I never heard of her. No. And she's dead. <laughs> and the podcast. <laughs> um, thank you very much. There are a lot of famous people who are also dead. Yes. Uh, no, I'll get to her. But the, the point that I was starting to... I've done a lot of things that when one succeeds at, one becomes somewhat famous or acclaimed. And it's a vague line between acclaim and famous. I know lots of acclaimed writers, but they're not what you'd call famous, but they're famous for writers. Many people, their life's dream is to publish a book. And that was my life stream. And you have published a book. About my dog with lots Doesn't of pretty matter. pictures in it from other people. It is a beautiful book, and that was a beautiful dog. You're Listen nice. To that, You're very nice. Okay. Bo. Remember Bo? I do. That's when we met. Yeah. That was the book a famous mail. dog. That was a famous dog. 
Oh, my dog was was San Francisco, and then and then here, and yes, she had some. You, know, you may never she be was that acclaimed. You may dog. never be more famous than that. And you, if you are going to be happy, might need to learn how to be happy. Oh yeah, right now. Oh, uh, I've always Malcolm Gladwell. Ten thousand. Medium is the message. No, oh, like ten thousand hours. I've done. 11 things for five to 8,000 hours, and then I leave. Your buddy Eugene Merman? Mm-hmm. Similar message. He and I have an argument all the time, because he says this? anyone could be successful in comedy if they put in 10 years. And I'm like, Eugene, I've seen comics who are awful, and you work really hard. It's not, go- it's not a guarantee, but it is a good, it is a good uh, ethos. Part of the reason that I feel my mother, where I get to my mother, is she was always like, what is it with you? Do you have a fear of failure, fear of success? Stick with one thing. And she didn't sound anything like that voice I just gave her. I'm sorry, Mom. She's rolling over in her urn. Part of what makes me pull away from things is that I get revulsed with the idea of wanting success. And I both want it more and more and I'm more grossed out by it and then I leave. And, and I guess talking about fame, and fame is a big part of it, wanting attention, and then leaving before I really get it. And so I, I guess I make things to process. I understand that, ev- that most people that I know, apart from my wife, wrestle with the desire for attention and fame. But, taking, heeding the words of Elvis Costello, the joy is in the making. Oh, I agree. But what, what interests me in this is that, is that, kind of like money, people don't talk about fame. People talk about what a famous person did, and they talk about how they got there, but they don't talk about how they feel about it, and I, and I think it's interesting. I do too. And that, that's why I'm doing it. I think it's interesting. And just the dozen or so recordings I've made, I'm like, oh, I learned something You know every who does time. talk about it? People who are on different aspects of fame, privately to one another. And how are you? How are you dealing with this? How are you dealing with that? How do you feel about this? It, it's like a it's like a therapy group. But I famous think, people, yeah. I think, talk about it with other famous people, mm-hmm. especially if it becomes something that is untoward in one way or another. It's like, are you? How are you dealing with? Or even if it's like a major success, so like, I don't want to name drop all the time, but I mean, no, no, I, don't. It, it could, you know, there's a way that's like. Oh, you had this major accolade right now. Congratulations. Yeah. How you doing? And it's easier to talk to someone else about it who's had major accolades. Otherwise, it seems to lack humility. And everyone famous is supposed to have so much humility. Except Kanye, who has just totally embraced it, which is like kind of badass. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I agree. Well, hello, no caller ID. Well, hello, Monty. This is Jamie, and you know why I'm calling you. The episode is done, and then we went on talking for a couple hours, and there's no ending. Just play the whole thing. <laughs> well, play it. Well, play it all. <laughs> you were like about, we're going live. You and Anya were about <laughs> to go into a long conversation about if Jane Goodall and Kim Kardashian were at a cocktail party, would they have anything to talk about? And we really go off the rails from there. And so it, it was, it didn't know. We, I stopped there. 
But I edited out a lot of, I have a lot of you saying, I don't want to name drop again, but then none of the names that you dropped except one are left. So it's this kind of funny. Sorry, gossip <laughs> hounds. It's all gone. Good. Thanks for the, um, thanks for the bottle of, of bourbon that you brought by afterwards, uh, after we drank almost, I think, all the alcohol in my house that night. Yeah. And then I woke up to go to work like, Two hours later. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, we felt bad about that. That I remember. We felt bad about that when we woke up seven hours later. Let's do it again sometime. Let's do it. Thanks. All right. Bye. Bye. If you've never heard of Monty or heard his show, I've included some links to clips on our webpage, 15minutesjamieburger.com. I heartily recommend the monthly segments he does with an area psychic who takes live calls on his show. He's pretty merciless with her, and yet she keeps coming back. Monty is something of a polarizing figure in our valley. He gives a huge amount of his time and attention to improving the world around him. I don't think anybody would really argue with that. And he gets paid back largely in attention. But attention is a lot to those of us who crave being heard or seen or read. And it's a heck of a motivator. He's also a naturally abrasive human being. I mean, he's a morning drive time DJ. It's part of the job description. And he embraces his abrasiveness. And for many of us, does so in clever, fun ways, manages to make it lovable, to be a really great morning companion. I can imagine Monty not on the radio. I could see him running a nonprofit. But I don't think that the world would get the most out of him, nor do I think he'd get what he most enjoys and needs what that class and teacher gave him back in sixth grade when they laughed at his horrible Helen Keller joke. And he's in the perfect place for him as a regionally famous public personality and an incredibly active member of many communities that he dearly cares about. That all said, I could make a very interesting hour of interviews with people who've never met Monty talking about their sometimes reasonable, sometimes envious and unreasonable negative feelings about him. But I'd never do it for his sake. Because as much as you hear the opposite from everyone from LeBron James to Monty Belmonte, people of note do read their clippings and can't help but peek at those hateful comments. And no matter whom they're from, or how many you've seen, those words can really hit home. The best compliment I've had these few episodes is that someone was surprised at how many different and fascinating ways there are to look at fame. Of course, I completely agree, but the only way to keep this conversation going is if people like you, famous and not, keep offering up experiences, pictures, stories. So send us a photo like the one my friend Zara sent that's on our website. Write us a note. Give us a call. 
come talk to me. Thanks. Please, as ever, it really is as important as every podcast host tells you. Download, or better still, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher or wherever. Check out the website, 15minutesjamieburger.com. The Facebook page, just search for us on Facebook using 15 Minutes and my name. Or on Twitter and Instagram at 15minsjamieb. Coming soon is an episode with someone Monty and I both absolutely adore even though neither of us have met him in person. Someone who's both famous and pretty unknown, and someone who I think it's safe to say we'd both share as many of our 15 minutes with as we could offer him. WFMU's Hardy White. Stay tuned. It's about 7 a.m. and I just woke up and we're about to drop this episode but there's one important thing I forgot to mention. Monty Belmonte thought of the name for this podcast. And maybe it's his humility, and maybe it is that he, at the beginning of the show, said he had a memory like a fish. But it's important to me. He knew I was trying to figure it out, and he came up to me and said, Jamie, I've got it. Fifteen minutes. So thank you one last time for that, Monty. This is 15 Minutes. I'm Jamie Burger. <laughs>